Hey, I'm so glad to be here. You know, when you raise kids, you don't really know exactly what you're going to get. <laughs> but with Mary, I would say that she's profitable to our family. Amen? Man, I'm, I'm preaching already. <laughs> so, so Eric uh, is like, when I first came back to St. Louis after growing up in North St. Louis, uh, and my wife and I, we grew up in North City. We didn't really know each other. Uh, but leaving St. Louis with the military and going around doing that military officer thing and saying I'll never come back to St. Louis. I left St. Louis because, you know, uh, the, the, it was in, North St. Louis was in transition. I'll let you figure out what that means. But, uh, but came back to St. Louis uh, in 2010 and uh, Eric Stiller was the first person to come visit me. I came back as Dean of Students for Covenant Seminary and did that for eight years. And Eric was the first person that came into my office and said, hey, I would like to learn from you. I didn't know who he was. And uh, I mean, it was just such an honor for someone to come and say, I need to know what you're thinking so I'll know how I should be thinking, amen? You have to talk back to me because, you know, I've been ordained by the, the uh, Progressive Baptist and Black Pentecostal, so I got to hear feedback to know that I'm on the right track here. Amen. First time I pe preached in a PCA church, I was like, man, this is a bad sermon. Nobody's saying a thing. And uh, then I learned this little cultural intelligence is like, you know, well, some congregations, they don't talk, and some, they talk a lot, and so you just have to know where you are. Uh, so Psalm 73, and uh, I have three points I've learned because they made me teach homiletics this semester. So I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how to do three points. I don't do it all the time, but sometimes it's fun. Uh, so I'm going to be talking from Psalm 73, talking about uh, walking by sight and uh, talking about thinking too much and the grace of exhaustion. Amen. So let me pray for us. Father, bless your people. Lord, help us to know that it is okay to be human after all, to be redeemed, and to love you and to learn to love our neighbor. Help us to do that. We just thank you and praise you for this is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad that we just see it. Amen. So uh, verses one through three, and this is uh, what ASAP wrote. ASAP was basically a cymbals player uh, in the uh, choir, in the chapel, uh, I mean, in the uh, tabernacle, then in the temple. Uh, it said that he wrote Psalm 50, Psalm 73 to 83, and, and maybe a couple more. But this is what he says one day when he was just tired of it. And I don't know about, because I know most of y'all are Christians, so y'all don't never get tired of life. But just in case you run into somebody who just said, I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. 
What is envy? Envy is an emotion which occurs when a person lacks another's superior quality, achievement, or possession, and either desires it or wishes that the other lacked it. Aristotle defined envy as pain at the sight of another's good fortune, stirred by those who have what we ought to have. There's something bigger in this psalm than envy. Something has told ASAP, he's looked around and he's walking by sight, and something has told him that God is only good to good people. See, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But you see, I'm not good, therefore bad things happen to me. And they happen because I'm a bad person. I remember days, and Renee and I going on our 43rd year of marriage, I remember days when I would come home and I would just say, I'm done. I can't do the Jesus thing no more. I mean, I'm giving it the old college try. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hang in there. I don't think I can, I don't know where else to go because Jesus is the only, only God and friend I got. But I just, I'm looking around and I, things are just not right. You know, things are just not right. I look around the city. I'm like, it's just something has gone wrong. And uh, Renee will let me rant, you know, about five minutes. You know, her and Jesus, they would just pop some popcorn and just watch me rant. <laughs> and she would say, Mike, you said, brother, you've been ordained in three different denominations. Been to seminary twice. You rose to the rank of colonel as a chaplain. And you may be, and this is what your wife said, you may be the best preacher I ever heard. And then she says, but let me tell you something. Sometimes I don't really think you understand the gospel. See, because it's easy to preach it. I mean, I can pass an ordination exam. All you need to do is give me the exam. I've read the Bible so much that sometimes I'll just, you tell me, it, it, sometimes churches say, well, Mike, uh, we're, we're going through this uh, series or we're going through that book. or we talk. I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of like a quarterback that's been quarterbacking a long time. You send me to play and I'll run it. Because there ain't too many plays that I don't know. And ever so often God says, you don't know this play. This is a new one. I just thought it up just for you. <laughs> the question is, when things go wrong in your life, what do you think is happening? When you look around and you examine your life, what do you think is happening? 
See, when we're walking by sight, we see a lot, but that also causes us to go to my second point is when you're walking by sight, you think too much. Have you ever been told that you are your own worst enemy? As my grandmother say, you thunk yourself out of that. Well, she didn't say thought, you thunk. This is what ASAP thunk. He said, this is what prosperity looks like to me. Because see, what looks like prosperity to us, that's not the same as what God says. Because God does not count stuff. He weighs stuff. See, God is holy, not because there's so much of him. He's holy because the Hebrew word kabod means that he is heavy. God is so heavy, nothing can move him. And we're not just talking about like weight. We're talking about God's promises are so sure that nothing can move his promise. His faithfulness is so faithful. It is the faithfulest faithfulness you've ever seen. Isaiah said God sits above the circle of the earth. He said there is no God like you nowhere. Because all other gods are too light. The power of man is, is too light. If you put all of the nations and all of the wars and all of the equipment and all of the fighting men on one side of a scale and put God on the other side, the men would not even register as dust. But when you're walking by sight, you think too much. I do it. I know I do it. I'm my own biggest enemy. Out of all of this stuff and uh, all of our sisters said about me, I sit there and I say, thank you, Jesus. But Jesus, you know. You know me. I'm Mike. He says in verse 4, for they have no pains unto death. Their bodies are fat and sleep. And sleek, they don't even know they're suffering until they're dead. They don't even suffer. They just die. But what do we have? We got diseases. We got cancers. We got all types of stuff. We got, uh, we got COVID. We got the Delta COVID and the Echo COVID, the Foxtrot COVID, the Golf, the Zulu. We got all types of alphabets to tack on to COVID. We got folk that's more scared of the vaccine than they are of COVID. But, but the evil folks, they never get COVID. They get to do what they want to. They don't suffer, they just die. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. They have no troubles. What did Job say? Job said, a man born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. But the wicked, they got no troubles. You see, this language is hyperbolic for a reason because when you get mad at God, 
You just get mad. When I get mad at you, I don't say, well, sometimes you just really make me sick. No, you make me sick all the time. God can take it. Therefore, pride is a necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. It's like these folk are the crypts and the bloods of violence. They either wearing red or they wearing blue. I mean, violence is just in style with them. What, what, let's find some new violence we can do. What haven't we done yet? Let's think of some stuff. My question is, brothers and sisters, but what's really bothering the psalmist? I mean, really. I would say ASAP. <laughs> Come on, bro. I work at a school where we have masters at counseling. Let me get into some MAC with you. Because <laughs> sometimes MACs look at MDivs and DMs like they need to take our heads and lose and screw something. I be telling our MAC candidates, our master's and counseling candidates, don't look at me like that. I know what you're thinking. I know what I am on the Enneagram. Yeah, Myers-Briggs, that's right. I'm an ESPN. That's right. Classic. But what's, but they said, what's really bothering you? Is it that you see the evil and the wicked getting away with evil or that you wish you could do it and get away with it. He says in verse 7, their eyes swell through fatness, their hearts overflow with follies. And I mean, it's like they just bulging with foolishness. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. There is no justice I left North St. Louis because even in my early 20s, I perceived there's no justice in this place. And God has really helped me. My, my little brother, Craig, is a criminal judge in this city. So God is like, that's justice. It don't happen all the time. But yes, I do have people who are Christians and concerned about righteous Justice. Because I was like, you could have fooled me. He says, they set their mouths against the heavens. Their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? What they're saying here, brothers and sisters, is God is either ignorant or he's indifferent. Sometimes you, in your life you may feel like God doesn't know or he doesn't care. You know, Jesus was on the boat with some folk. They were caught in a storm and they just got, they just got tired of trying to tote that barge and flap those houses. I'm an army guy. I don't know what Navy do. You know, go to battle stations, you know, you know, zero bubble and, you know, right plane, bow plane. I don't know that stuff, but all I know is they were in that boat and they were drowning. And if, if you ever have had a storm in your life and you figured that God either, even, either he doesn't 
know, or worse, he knows and he doesn't care. And Jesus has to come up and tell you to move over. I got this. That little cruise, that little ship, that little storm you've been through, there's a purpose in that. Everything you go through, brothers and sisters, because God uses economy of force, nothing is wasted. If Asap was not frustrated in his life, he would not have written this psalm, and you would not have read this psalm. And this psalm is encouragement to you because you think that you, would, you think that you complain more than anybody else. You think nobody sees injustice like you see it. God sees it. He just has a different understanding of what prosperity is. God cares. God knows. God is able, and God is willing. God will not just let the enemy knock you into next week. What's really bothering the psalmist? Sound like he was just envious. But it sounds like he doesn't deserve what the wicked have. This is turning into a kind of a session on self-hate. Well, if I was good like Israel, you know, if I was like the rest of the people at Central West End, because, you know, they're good people. But I'm sitting in my car thinking about how awful my life is. Maybe I shouldn't go back to Central West End. I don't want the church to go down because I'm there. Don't let Satan talk you into saying things about yourself that God ain't never said. And you don't even have a right to say that. Well, I'm stupid, I'm evil, I'm ugly. When God showed up with Adam and Eve, you know what God said? He said, who told you you was naked? Did I say that? They was thinking too much. We got to go and hide ourselves from God. Did God say hide? We're so busy hiding ourselves and overthinking this problem. When it comes to prosperity, Jesus made a statement. He said, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And that's not really about you making a good deal. It's basically Jesus telling you how important your soul is to him. And it should be just as important to you and your soul and your humanity should be just as important to me. When Jesus said, love your neighbor, let's not overthink that. The last point is the grace of exhaustion. If you're exhausted, amen for you. If you're just exhausted, if you say, I just can't go another further. If you just say, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I just don't get it no more. Okay, well, there's an opportunity for God to step in and.
explain it to you. Because you saw something out there. And so let's do this all over again. Because see, sometimes the gospel and the response to evil and sometimes the response to your own sin has to almost be like muscle memory. That's why God told Moses to have the the Israelites rehearse it to the kids over and over and over and over. It becomes like muscle memory that when a soldier perceives there as a sniper somewhere, he knows where the bullet landed and he can look, follow that trail back to that rooftop. It's muscle memory. Verses 13 through 17, he says, all in vain I've kept my heart clean, and wash my hands in innocent. Okay? So you're doing all you can to stay clean, right? Because if you don't stay clean, God ain't going to like you. Now, is that the gospel? We think it is sometimes. He says, all in vain. He's saying, God, let me show you my resume. Let me, let me show you why this is wrong. You know, if I can find my resume. I'm a, he says, all in vain, I have kept my heart clean. I've washed my hands in innocence for all day. Now, you know this ain't true. All day, this is that hyperbolic language. All day long, I have been stricken. Now, my wife may say that, and I can understand that. All day long, I have been stricken, and I have been rebuked every morning and if I had said I would speak thus I would have betrayed the generation of your people in other words God I do not want to make your people look bad your children because I am I perceive that I should be an orphan right now there ain't no orphans in God's family Now, there's folk who should be on death row in God's family. There's convicted felons on, in God's family. And I'm not saying you committed a crime, you've ever committed a crime on the human books, but I'm saying all of us, all these different shades of people we got in here, we all came from two people. All of us. In between geography, diet, the sun, that's what made us all look different. But we all descend from two people who all they did was doubt God and it was the biggest sin ever committed. And we doubt God all the time. And he just squashes like a bug. But we got this guy, Jesus Christ. Oh, thank God for Jesus. He says, I did not want to betray the generation of your children, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. God, I'm going to, I'm going to pack up my stuff, and I'm going to move out and go back to the hog pen where I should be. Anguish, doubt, and confusion. It's not just for you. What are you learning? from your anguish and your doubt and your confusion? Or if you're out of that class, what did you learn? 
from your anguish, your doubt, and your confusion that you can pass along to the rest of us. But see, this problem is just not yours. Because the problem that you're navigating through right now, I might be there next week. And I might have to text you and say, oh, so what, what, what did you do? Because I heard you talking about that when you gave your testimony about what prosperity really is. And you kept saying, it's the riches of God's mercy and his grace. I saw you, and I think I might be, in, I might be sitting in that same seat that you were sitting in last year. And then the last two verses says, this ASAP saying, and when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a worrisome task. I, I, I don't want to begin to understand what God is doing. In verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Asaph worked in the temple. So you know what God told him to do? He said, why don't you just go to work tomorrow? I'm going to show you something. Remember when Isaiah went to work? It was just another working day in the temple. And Isaiah 6 says, but in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. My prayer for everybody sitting in here that you will see the Lord today. And if you've seen him before, see him again. See him tomorrow. Every single day, your daily bread, see God that day. He said, when I went into the sanctuary of God, what did he see? He saw laborers where people had to clean their hands to approach God. He saw altars where sacrifices were being made that were just uh, what you would call a type for the biggest sacrifice that would be made. He saw curtains separating things, and he knew that one day all these curtains may be gone, and we would all be able to enter into the Holy of Holies as children of God. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, he said, to keep me from becoming conceited, he said a thorn was given to me. You know, folks, they said, well, what was Paul's thorn? I mean, you know, this is the Apostle Paul. He's going to jail. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been beat. He'd been stoned. You would think that God would not give a man like that anything but smooth sailing. Get the gospel out. Smooth sailing. Don't you? You better not throw that rock at Paul. You better not hit him. Don't you send him to jail. Why does God take a person and say, I got a plan for you, but there's going to be some storms and there's going to be some confusion. You're going to be thinking a whole lot. Paul said, I went to the Lord three times. And we don't know if three is just symbolic of 3,000 times he prayed. I don't know. Paul said, I went to the Lord three times. You know, that, that, that word thorn 
can be translated as something in your life that ever so often it just slaps you in your face with an open palm. It may be that sin in your life that so easily besets you. You just, if I'm a Christian, why do I have this problem? Why do I struggle with this? This is an awful thing. This is probably why I don't have prosperity. And this is probably, why am I struggling with this? I can't even tell nobody. Paul didn't say what it was because he didn't want to say what it was. He said three times. I kind of went to the Lord and said, come on, Jesus. Have you ever just prayed and said, come on, Jesus. I mean, you know I'm from the hood. I can give you a whole lot of John Calvin type of words, but come on, Jesus. <laughs> Paul said, and I'm saying this to you, Jesus answered. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. He says, my power is made perfect in weakness. People are not attracted to you because you're so great. They're attracted to you because when they see you, they see a person who loves Jesus. And Jesus, our Lord Jesus, you think ASAP was upset? You know Jesus knows what it's like to be forsaken. Jesus knows what it's like to be forsaken. When he was hanging on that cross, and brothers and sisters, crucifixion is not meant to kill you. It's meant to cause you to die as long as possible. You're just dying a long time. That's why when they perceived Jesus, it was a miracle that he just gave up his life. But the word of God tells us, for all of us who look at prosperity, walking by sight, thinking too much, and become exhausted, the solution lies in scriptures like this. For God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that through us God can show that he hates sin, but he loves sinners. A pastor named Edward Moat in 1834 wrote a hymn called The Immutable Basis for a Sinner's Hope. We know it as, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean. On Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, sometimes you can't see him. I rest on his unchanging grace. Ain't nobody ever seen grace, but you can rest on it. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood 
They support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. Amen.